Miss Yarrow, the bird. Greetings, heathens. Welcome to Hail Satan. This is the podcast exploring Satanism, culture, and life in general through the eyes of modern Satanists. My name is Joseph Rose. I'm a member of an amazing independent congregation called Satanic Delco, and we welcome members from anywhere in the world. If you want to learn a little more about that, visit satanicdelco.com. And speaking of Satanic Delco, just a couple of days ago, I delivered our Outsider Achievement Award to some high school students out here in Delaware County. This was the second year in a row that we've done this, and of course the kids were pumped to receive their awards. Each student is awarded a nice little certificate as well as $666 in cash to each of them. It's a little award we give out to some students who submit creative works embracing their outsider status. So congratulations to those kids, and thank you to everyone in Satanic Delco for participating. Hopefully we will do it again next year. I anticipate that we will. Today on the show, I'm going to have a conversation with Shane Bugby. If you've traveled the world of Satanism for any stretch of time, you probably know at least a little something about Shane, but if not, we're going to change that today. First, let me acknowledge a few rad Satanists out there that have joined us on Patreon recently. We have Scarlet Moon, Anrai, Bo, Corey, Alyssa, Susan, Lydia, Teresa, Gorman, Jeremiah. Thank you guys. I say it all the time, of course, but the fact that you all find some value in what I do and choose to support it really means the world to me. I appreciate you very much. Thank you. If you have a moment out there, everyone, please visit the website at HailSatanPodcast.com. You will find links on the website to join me on social media, a form to send me an email, and a link to join up with us all on Patreon. And we have a few different tiers over there to choose from with various benefits, including the amazing Greetings from Hell, Satanic Postcard of the Month Club. Uh, there are some exciting things coming related to that Postcard of the Month Club, that is the most direct way you can support me and this show if you'd like to do that. So visit HailSatanPodcast.com. Okay, our guest today is the infamous Shane Bugby. He's an artist with a long, twisted history in modern Satanism. Welcome, Shane. Oh, thank you very much for having me. I'm happy to have you. I reached out to Shane randomly on Twitter. To be honest, Shane, I, I didn't really expect a quick direct reply from you. I didn't know that you would see it. I didn't know how active you might be on there, but I just posted up one day saying, man, I'd like to have a chat with Shane Bugby. I bet he's got some stories to tell. And before long, there you were. Yeah, I'm accessible. I, I hear that often. Like people are uh, shocked when I'm accessible for some reason. I don't know why that is, but uh, it sounds cool, I guess. I don't know. Mysterious. I don't know how to take that, but <laughs> sure. I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that you reached out. Uh, yeah, so am I. Satanic, it's in the satanic community. It seems uh, people are afraid to reach out to me or um, I'm not really sure why, but I'm, I'm glad you did. Right on. So am I. 
So many of the listeners of this podcast are new to Satanism, and often enough, this podcast is their introduction to the idea of Satanism. So for those newer people who might not be familiar, can you give us a brief introduction as to who you are as it relates to modern Satanism? Well, okay. Um, I'm one of the few remaining members of the old guard of the Church of Satan, which means that Anton LaVey you could gave me the authority to talk about his religion and his his philosophy by making me a, a high priest in the Church of Satan. I was the last person he made a priest or reverend in the Church of Satan and uh, before he passed away. And I met Anton LaVey through reprinting the book Might is Right that he borrowed from for the Satanic Bible. So uh-huh. uh, my, my introduction to Anton LaVey wasn't a person that was looking to be a Satanist or I wasn't even a fan of his necessarily. I'd sold a bunch of Satanic Bibles out of my gallery and I hadn't even read it. And so I went there and he was a pop culture icon to me. And it was just another person I was interviewing, a famous person, you could say, or an, a, a person of interest, I like to say, I guess. And uh, we became friends. And at some point he, he called me, Blanche called and, and Anton's in the back. And they said, you know, Shane, you have, we want to give you this authority to speak for Satanism and stuff. And I thought, wow, that's cool. But what does it get me? What will it? what will I get out of this? Do I get free something free? Do I get discounts at certain restaurants? And, and, you know, Blanche just laughed and said, use it when it behooves you. And then here we are 30, I don't know how long it's so long ago, but like 30 years later, it's Satanism as the art movement has grown quite a bit. Yeah. I suspect it really has since then. How did Satanism first come to your attention and what was appealing about it to you? Oh, re- rebellion, Ozzy Osbourne, you know, young kid, 12, 11 years old, uh, Black Sabbath, heavy metal. I'm, I'm a working class, class uh, white trash, I would say, come from, you know, uneducated folks. So my introduction to that stuff was uh, Ozzy Osbourne's song, Mr. Crowley, Mr. Crowley, you know, it's like, okay, yeah. what is that? What is a Crowley? You know, <laughs> so that started my research, you know, like that, that started it. But then you're talking about like, my my interest wasn't in the Satanism. It was like uh, in the understanding human nature. So it's like a, I, I have a journalistic thing. I, I ask questions. So when that all started to happen, I was also interested in cults like Osho or uh, Bahawan Rahanishi. He went by um, Osho. He had a cult. They called it a cult in, in Oregon. Um, was into Jim Jones. So I started going to the library and using the internet before it was the internet it was called microfiche and wow. we would look at the files and I would just do my research at like 11, 12, 10 from like about 10 or 11 years old on these kind of odd people. People would call them odd. And I was just like, wow, these people are really affecting the people. People are, these are wrong people. These are bad people. And I'm like, what's so wrong about this? What's so bad about it? So I just start, once someone said something was wrong or bad, I wanted to know why that's where I came to be here. Yeah, I think I can relate uh, similar beginnings. At some point, you joined up with the Church of Satan, but it seems like you didn't stop at merely becoming a member. Can you talk a little bit about your experiences interacting with the Church of Satan and Anton LaVey? Yeah, my, my, I, didn't, I didn't join the Church of Satan. The Church of Satan joined me. Um, Anton LaVey um, harvested his priests or his people, his spokespeople, his 
we'll call to talk to you youngsters, his brand ambassadors, his brand ambassadors. He would look to the influencers and he would study them. And, and so, boy, I forgot your question. I already starting to think about those old days. What was that question again? Just about once you became connected to the Church of Satan, uh, maybe just okay. talk a little bit about your experiences interacting with the church and with Anton himself. Yeah, there's a long story with that goal. You know, I they sent me a membership card after I sent them. I, I sent Anton when I went back in the day, Chicago ways, you grease people's palms, you give people money and they to talk to you. And so when I would want to do interviews with people like that, I'd send them gifts or money and say, please respond to this letter. And LaVey sent me a, a membership card back and I sent it back to him saying, I'm not a member of anything. And they said, just keep it. And they sent it back to me. <laughs> and so it was sort of like that. Not that I, I, I am, a, I was, a, I, they don't kick you out. I wish they would. You know, I, they, I, I am a member, uh, you know, I'm a person that Anton bestowed that honor to, but I'm not active with any organizations. I don't feel comfortable being involved with organizations. Is this right that you were the last person to interview Anton? Yes. How did that come about? Well, I, I, it came about through <laughs> me threatening him. Like I said, I found might is right. I, I found I was I was reading the Satanic Bible at the same exact time. Okay, so someone gave me the Satanic Bible. Said here, you got to read this. You're just like this. You're a Satanist. I said I'll read it. I've, I've, I'm familiar with the book, and I'm familiar with underground fringe culture I was involved with. So I'm, I'm, I understand uh, at that point about LaVey, the same as I understand about a Timothy Leary or an Abby Hoffman. And so I read the satanic Bible. And at the same time, I'm doing the Milwaukee metal fest. Well, this is the precursor to one of the festivals you see around the country today. Yeah. And, and so I'm working at the Milwaukee metal fest, a bunch of white supremacists come to me, want to run advertisements in the book and, and all this. And at that moment, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, and this is, you know, this is back then. This is, I get how you guys think about things today, but I'm just letting, you know, like it was a similar conversation. Like it was, this is free speech. You know, it's, you have to take the money. You have to do this. And I consulted the the person of color who was doing the cover art and the a Jewish person that was writing for me, the major uh, writer for that magazine asked him if I should take the money. They said, yes. And there we are. I'm, I'm publishing my, they give me a copy of might is right. And I'm reading it at the same time. I'm reading the satanic Bible. And I go to the person that gave me the satanic Bible. I'm like, you know, this is the same fucking book. <laughs> and they're like, Oh, everyone rips off LeVay. And I'm like, no, it's a hundred years older than LeVay. I mean, this is, he, this is the same book. I think he, he took some stuff out of here as an artist. I'm okay with what he did. You know, people call it plagiarizing and those people are probably not artists or creative people, but that's what artists do. We sort of, do that. And um, so it was just surprising to me. So I started talking to the Nazis like, hey, how's this relate to Satanism? And, and and there there it was. I put out Might is Right. And I had Anton LaVey as the forward and the Nazi as the afterward. And that was, you know, for me, I love juxtaposing shit like that. So it was a really great moment for me because I have death threats from Nazis and they'd write me or call my office and say, you know, we're going to come and kill you. But the Nazis would sign their full name and put a social security number down or their address. And then the Satanists would 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 write me and, and be offended. We're going to curse you to death. <laughs> We're going to curse you. A magic spell is upon you now yeah. because you did this with the Nazis. So it was just fun to get grief from both sides right. for me. Yeah. You know, I wasn't I didn't think about it as we do today about platforming dangerous platforming people who aren't really into free speech. That's a right. hard 
one for me to get around. I'm, I'm all for people talking about really fucked up stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am definitely a proponent of free speech and protecting free speech. But at the, at the, at, at, there is a, there is the argument and, and it's a hard one for me to understand how to argue is how do you give speech to people who want to take away speech? And that's a, you know, how, how, you know, that's a, that's a rough one to navigate for yeah. me. I, yeah. I don't, I would not platform people like that anymore as an artist. And as a person who is a white trash uh, high school dropout artist, there's no way that I could do my job as an artist, which is, what do artists do? We tell history. We tell the real hu human history, the human story. Rich people write history books, but they're not, that's not history. History's held within art. So how would I tell a white trash story without dealing with Nazis or rebel flags or all this kind of stuff? Yeah. That's what surrounds me. It's the same with any lower class group of people. A lot of really toxic shit is involved in our life because we don't have access to education, healthcare, and other things. So what we're going to present is going to be ugly, awful stuff, but, but that's not really my fault. It's, it's the society as a whole's fault. I just show what I see. You mentioned Might is Right a few times. Some of your notoriety has come about in relation to Might is Right. How would you summarize what that book is and what made you so interested in it at the time? Well, that's a good one. Let me, there's two questions. I have to do one at a time. So sure. if I forget the other one, let me know. Sure. Um, how do I see that book? Well, I see it just as an angry screed. It was for me, it was a, about presenting something that wasn't accessible. So for me, as a, a back then, how I saw it was, wow, this is an opportunity to, as a publisher, publish something that's radical. As I was, I was publishing obscene works from cartoonists and shit that was literally illegal in this country. And so I was like, this is a hot one. I want to do this. And so I saw it as a, presenting a historic document or something like presenting a truth. Like here's, this is what Satanism is based off of. I have the facts. So I was going to market it to Goss. That's what I threatened LeVay with. I'm going to market this to people and tell them this is where you got your book from. And so, you know, time for you to write it forward for it or not, but I'm going to do that. And so that's what, that's, that's how I saw it was just like a piece of history. But when I read it, it just had a lot of ugly, brutal truths that were hard to escape, especially without formal education, especially without a formal education. It was hard for me, you know, that's 30 years ago. I, I definitely educate myself. I'm well-read. I'm just not formally educated. And so reading that, it made a lot of sense because that's exactly the life that I was surrounded by was victimization, exploitation, abuse, power. You know, my might is right. You know, that, that's what I saw around me. So it was truth. You know, with that limited education and that that youthful mind, it was just truth. You yeah, know, you have yeah. to be strong to survive. You have to you have to punch back. You have to fucking show a hard face. And coming all this way, it's it's a really hard life for men to live in that toxic mindset. You can never show your emotions. You know, might is right really rings to men, especially um, because of that, that idea we can't be sensitive and all those kind of problems that men face, or I, I don't want to say masculine, but I, but we'll say the men culture right now. Yeah. Um, and so I see might as I saw might as right like that. And as I, as I started to move forward with things and talking to my co-conspirators, like, Hey, let's, let's revisit might as right. Let's put out a number two, but let's talk about the idea of, of empathy of, of watching animals predators 
exist with their food and not be so perverse. Let's talk about how it's a symbiotic relationship. Let's talk about these things because might is right was so skewed towards one thing. And so I started to want to do something like that. And, and those conversations went on for decades. Oh, no, I shouldn't say decades. Our, my, my relationship with the people I had was involved with in publishing Might is Right and promoting it went on for decades. About 2015 or 14, I started to move away from that stuff. I started to get therapy. And when I was treating my traumas, I was able to see other people's traumas for the first time. Because before that, I could only think about my problems until I, you know, I was able to deal with those, you know, that anxiety and stuff. Then I was able to see like uh, people of color's issues, you know, like how, how bad they have it. If I have it this hard, if I'm that fucking bad, oh man, you really got it. And so I was able to start seeing that stuff. And at that point, I really started to pull away and say, we have to do something about what we created here. It's, it's, there's a groundswell happening that I'm responsible for ultimately. Uh, the people I worked with were tools. They did what I said. And so I need to figure out something about this. And then 2016 hit, I got a bunch of emails from like Trump fans and white supremacist people and thanking me for putting out might is right. And our, our president's in, in the office and oh fuck. And that's when I took it off sale. I was like, yeah, you know, I can't even, I can't even take money for this thing anymore. It was a weird moment though, because in, in my old days, you know, in that, in that November, I pulled it off sale. I'm talking about it. And it's coming off my website and stuff. And these December Obama and the Pope both mentioned might is right. And I'm like, holy fuck, like set me into a tailspin. Like I had a anxiety panic attacks yeah. because these are the two most powerful men in the world speaking about something, a fucking dude that was living in a Chevette published and made very popular for a great long time. I was the only one publishing it and having it tour with black metal bands and really promoting it. And I was like, oh man, the young, I was conflicted. I'm like, do I just start taking out ads in the New York times and the LA times and Chicago Tribune saying, this book that the Pope and Obama mentioned is on sale now here, right. you know, I would have, that would have been my lottery ticket. Like right. I would have been, I would be set right now and, and probably some alt-right hero. <laughs> yeah. If that's what you were looking to be. Well, but, but I'm just looking to be me. I'm just me. And I go with my feelings and as an artist, you know, that's, that's what I do. Yeah. I don't, I don't take the name as an artist, as an identity thing. It's something that people communicate to me and tell me that I am. Around how old were you when Might is Right was uh, republished? Mid-20s. I can't, you know, it's so long ago for me. You know, I'm in my 50s now. Yeah. And I don't I don't really feel like I'm in my 50s, but sometimes, you know, memory and something like, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah. But a long time ago, almost three decades ago. I just asked because I wonder how much of your connection and interest and in everything that you had toward that book at that time is a big product of not only your environment and experiences, but the fact that you were a young man, you know, you were, um, yeah. how much of it was just the edgy rebellious sort of bit well, of a young man? I think when you see people like angry white males or people like myself or just angry men, you know, or angry people, I'm sorry to keep making it as men, but, um, like people that storm the Capitol, let's say those people are carrying their parents issues. I was carrying my, my father's rage, I wasn't even defined as a human being at that point. I was still carrying my father's rage, but I could see what he was saying as far as the working class getting stuck. And he was a union member. So when I was talking about might is right and shit like that, always in my head and heart was my father as a pipe fitter, a union member, picket lines in Chicago, how picket lines people would have. When I was a child, you'd see 
picket lines, union members with ball bats, and they'll beat the shit out of you if you cross the picket line. Like you're not going to get groceries. We'll fuck you up. And so that's how I saw this might is right challenge. Like the Teamsters Union shows might in order to get what they want. And I've seen that's a Chicago. It's an urban thing, especially. Yeah. And when when just look at the mission or the, the, I think it's called the mission. Uh, Grandmaster Flash and, and Melly Mel, they have a song about might is right. So in the urban areas back in that day, people were talking about survival. If it is crazy. Yeah. Anyway, sorry if I'm spinning out here. No, not at all. Is it fair to say that all these years later, you don't necessarily feel the same connection with that material anymore? Well, I don't have the same connection with anything anymore because I just continue to change as a person and I continue to grow. So my life right now, I don't have the same connection with anything anymore. I've hit like this older wall where I look at my old work and I'm like, yeah, I don't even recognize you anymore. Yeah. Like, I don't even, I don't recognize you I don't, I, I have a totally different interpretation of it and I can only go with what memory serves me when I did it, you no. know, but yeah, I do. I, 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 but I, I see the, I see the honesty in a lot of this work too. And it's not like an honesty. We need to enact. It's an honesty, like a lot of LaVey stuff. A lot of people, a lot of people take the might is right or that kind of philosophy and use it to be a dick versus how I took it as, wow, this is a warning about what we're up against. So you know, we take things that way, but yeah, I definitely see things differently. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that we are in a society where you do have to show strength, where if you are fat, you're looked at poorly. If you're short, you're looked at poorly. If you're a person of color, you have a disadvantage. It is a really awful society we have. And um, so you do have to pretend or be mighty or strong. You, You have to present this image that maybe you're not like, I don't want to be strong all the time. I just want to be me. Yeah. You just mentioned, you know, you could be short or fat or any of these things. And I've been given a a lot of thought lately to the idea of the outsider and all of the million different reasons that someone could feel like the outsider. And I think any of those things, once that, once that seed is planted in your brain, you, when you feel like, Oh, I'm the outsider, I'm different, I'm left out or whatever it might be. Sometimes those feelings can turn dark and and lead people into weird directions. And I think huh. maybe something like Might is Right is just ripe for people like that sometimes. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about the feeling. I think the understanding that there was a definitive lack of opportunity for me is what attracted me to anger and rage. There was a legitimate and obvious disconnect between what other people were getting and I was not getting, and my family was not receiving. And so, and that was before the internet, before it was so transparent class and issues like that. So it wasn't my, my feeling was just to express myself in art. My, my attraction to being angry and wanting to, to watch this system topple to, you know, destroy um, the society around us was, it was brutal anger and revenge. And it was anger for legitimate reasons, like watching hardworking people that pretended to that believed in this American dream work really hard and and follow all these garbage rules that I heard as a child and never get anywhere, never get what they were promised, except this promise of an afterlife that if they do what they're doing, they'll get something when they're dead. And I was just like, oh, my God, this seems like just as a child, it seemed like a ridiculous idea then and it. It just seems even sadder as I get older. It's just a sad situation. Yeah. 
as you were working on Might is Right back then, a young man named Doug approached you. Of course, he would later become to be known as Lucian Greaves of the Satanic Temple. Can you talk a bit about that period of time and how that all came together? Well, Doogie. Yes. yes. Doogie, is, as he's called, uh, as, as I like seeing him called online, he came to me and wanted to work with me really bad. And he was very aggressive about it. And uh, so I mentored him. He was my protege for a good decade. And um, he came to me based on might is right, really wanting to get his hands on it, really wanting to do artwork for it. Um, I've seen interviews where he, he, he lies, blatantly lies about his involvement in that stuff, which I (laughs) have no idea, whatever that's weak, but um, yeah, he came to me, gave me all these art books and and said, look at my artwork. I can do this. I really want to do this. I could do, you know, he pitched the whole idea of doing the artwork and chapter headings. And I was like, you know, that's a good idea. That's it for me as a publisher. I'm like, yeah, you know, any kind of new edition brings new sales. So I'm all for it. And um, that's when we started to work together. And I just, I enjoyed that, that. When I knew Doogie though, you know, he was straight edge. I think he had his first drunk with me. He had a, his first drug use with me, all that kind of stuff. So it's like, I just, I, I know a different person than I think a lot of people know, you know? Um, and yeah, so he came to me, but, but, uh, but Doug has a different set of ideas on what he wants to do with, with, with might is right. Doug, Doug is a person for me. I'm a libertine. I'm for people having less control of themselves and the world. And the, you know, I'm for less control. Doug is a Doug at borderlines, a fascist kind of character. He's, he's a person that's into control and stuff like that. So we started to philosophically break apart before we publicly broke apart. He did do the illustrations for your version of the book, right? He did the illustrations. He did promotion. He went up to do Detroit and did book signings. He did whatever I told him to do. He did what I told him to do always. And when it was like, he was a good soldier. And I'm not saying that to put him down. People will see it now like, oh my goodness. People like, because there's a cult now that's formed. Like legitimately, the Satanic Temple is like a totally like the Church of Scientology at this point. And it's like, you know, people defend that guy without even thinking about it, not even thinking about the actual history that's going on here. I have found that there is a lot of um, knee-jerk defense. I don't know. It feels the way I put it is a, a type of brand loyalty that people have <gasps> related to the Satanic Temple, and and they will defend very quickly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the whole thing, and I, I see that you're part of that group, and I don't want to put you down, but I think the whole thing, like, it, it, you know, it's it's weird because we set out to sort of make fun of people like you and, and I'm not, I'm not, not, not like you, but in a general way, we, I mean, it's, it's, it's wild. Well, I, I, I can tell you, Shane, that Lucian and the satanic temple are no fans of mine. That's for sure. I see. I see you promoting them. I don't know who they, I don't know who's who I just saw their stuff on your page. <laughs> Anyone who was attracted to that group, we clowned you, we tricked you. And, and I don't mean to put you down. I'm just letting you know, like behind the scenes, like that's what happened here. And <laughs> no, no, I, I understand I that people put down Anton LaVey and it's all like, are you fucking kidding me? This is all his. <laughs> yeah. It's like his and you're like going to make fun of this guy who legitimately you're his his children. If you are that, if you're not just seeking it for identity or whatever it is, a lot of these people that are involved in the satanic temple are involved. They're not seekers. I don't think they're, they're, they're they they're really like religious converts. They wanted the easy route and they took on a religion to explain their life 
versus taking on another book to understand themselves. Yeah. My, I, I won't pull us off in too much of a tangent, but my uh, adventures in Satanism began I, probably a lot like yours, just a rebellious kid. And in my case, I just stumbled upon the Satanic Bible when I was a teenager. I got my hands on that, and that was about all I needed to see at that point. It, it felt right at home for me. And over the years, you know, I had my ins and outs with it. I poked some holes in it. And when the Satanic Temple came along into the public eye, like it did for so many, I was interested. It was the first time in a long time that a a new, fresh, I don't know, exciting Satanic thing appeared uh, to me, you know, in a in a tangible way in the world like that. And so I was excited by it. But long story short, in the time between then and now, I've had you know quite a roller coaster ride of a relationship with the satanic temple and the ideals and execution of the satanic temple. Um, and so, like I said, they're, they're no fan of mine, but I do spend a lot of time talking about them because they're the big game in Satanism. And, you know, when you want to talk yeah, I, Satanism, they come up. I, I think they come up in certain circles, but it's just like, this is Satanism has this long history and we'll just talk from the LeVay years. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of groups that break off and have their moment. Yeah. And, and you can see that Satanic Temple had that just like a ton of other groups. But they're, all the news reports are now going back to LeVay again. Like this is foundational, foundationally from LeVay. So it's always going to come back to Anton LeVay and the Satanic Bible. So it's they just they're, the, the idea that we did a great service for Anton LeVay's book and to people understand it is true. Uh, but the, the idea that we did a great disservice to a lot of poor, ignorant people is also true, you know, and that's it's uh, sad to see people taken in by the word Satan or Satanism. It's not really a, it's not a group effort. It's not a club. You know, it's it's and that's it's a really hard thing to see people. It's not to, to make it into these clubs because that's not what it is. And that right there perverts the whole idea of an individual expressing their individual and exploring life through their individual. You know, it's, it, Satanism is not about surrounding yourself with like-minded people. You never learn that way. <laughs> you surround yourself with people that you don't agree with or you don't understand or is a different culture. And that's how you're able to expand your mind. Yeah. Um, are you opposed to or or not interested in the idea of the satanic communities that exist so often? I know typically the Church of Satan has a more individualistic stance and they're not very interested, whereas the satanic temple and, and groups like the yeah. satanic temple are more focused on community. Satanic temple, and the, here's the thing, you didn't join the satanic temple because it was a community effort. You joined the satanic temple because it was free. Had we put a cost on there, you wouldn't have joined. That's one of their tricks. Right. This Church of Satan has a fee on their, their entry because they want to weed out idiots. They want to weed out jerks that are looking for an identity. That's the reason they have a price tag on that membership. Um, and that's that's the way it is. But uh, So they they present as exclusive and that's also a trick about, you know, to allure you like, oh, we want to be in this exclusive club. But um, the communities, you, you know, it, it, you're just it's but it's a, but it's again a generational thing. You're changing words up like gay, uh, you, you know, or queer. I mean, queer used to be just odd. It's, it's you know, and it, it changed words and like gay was this one mean and then 
maybe a decade ago, kids were using gay as just odd. Right. So these words seem to change. And you're using Satanism in a way that you would usually use it as the word goth, a goth community, because that's what you basically are. You can't be a satanic community because no one in there is going to think the same. It's just like a it's like an impossible feat to have a satanic community. You can have a coffin club that meets up. and There's a bunch of goths meet up and then there will be a bunch of people that proclaim Satanism. But when you talk to them, they shouldn't be saying the same shit. <laughs> See, that's the funny thing about these groups. You start to become this hive mind. And it just becomes a joke. And it was the same thing in the Church of Satan. Like they have their little secret groups, secret <laughs> bulletin boards online and shit. And it's just a fucking joke. Yeah. Like it becomes the same kind of joke. Everyone's like, that's not cool. I'm like, well, I actually think it is. Well, that's not satanic. It's like, fuck off. You know, Satanism is about an individual experience. There's a general philosophy out there. And that's Anton LaVey stuff. And then we each take and interpret it ourselves. And that's our business. Right. You know, but it's not something we're going to probably agree on all the time. Sure. You know. You're, but I'm not against that stuff either. I think it's cool. You see, there's a, it's a double-edged sword. I, I think a lot of the stuff is cool if people are in it for the right reasons, it, which is seeking knowledge, you know, expanding your, you know, being enlightened, expanding your, your worldview to think about more than just your individual self, actually. That's what this is. But, but people look at it as, I'm just going to think about myself, which is incorrect. Mm-hmm. And I say that from a place of authority when I say these things. When I get online and I'll talk to a satanic temple, people they will talk shit to me like like the disrespect that I or other people get from seekers is amazing. It's amazing, especially considering my history and my authority to speak about Satanism. It's amazing that these people will go like, we can say whatever we want. We can create whatever we want. We can define anything we want. It's like a, it's basically satanic temple has created this this idiot form of nihilism where nothing matters. But words do matter. Definitions do matter. I agree. I agree for sure. There should be more focus on actually uh, finding definitions to or sticking to definitions to some things nowadays. This is why I started the Satanic Almanac so we could all get together on on wall purges and sort of talk about how Satanism, the philosophy, because it's not a religion, it's a philosophy. As LaVey would say, all religions are rackets. You know, they're made to fucking scam people. Yeah. And so it's a philosophy and we should be getting together and thinking about how it applies to today or the future. How do do these concepts in Satanism apply to what we see in the future or what we see coming in this next couple of years? Do we see fascism coming to the United States? Certainly seems that that way. Certainly seems that way. And so as a Satanist, if we're going to be in a community or a discussion together, I would like to talk to Satanists about how do you see this? What do you see? And there's going to be people in that group that are going to be like, yeah, I'm all for it. Like I'm for fucking more military. I'm for police on the corners. I'm for more control. So you have this great conversation that that is going to ultimately reward us with a, a truth or at least some poetry to think about throughout the year. And so I see Satanism as and I understand it is a philosophy that's fluid. It's much like the Satanist. You can't nail it to the wall in a individual way. But in a general definition of a way, there is a book out there and you can nail that to the wall. Before we get off of the topic completely, early on, your role, I guess, if you would define it that way, in the formation and early days of the Satanic Temple isn't really clear in any (laughs) public way. If you can, maybe walk us through how some of that went down from around the time that the Hail Satan film was being made up through, uh, you know, the time when your relationship with TST or Doug ended. 
this is this thing incites a riot in my fucking head. How <laughs> these fucking people are members of a goddamn thing, an organization that legitimately put out. I don't know if you, you fucking young people know what a documentary is, but you don't really, because what you see and what you call a documentary is usually propaganda pieces from the person and the artist they're about. But documentaries hold conflict. They hold opposition, opposing views. They talk to the enemy. They talk to the school teacher that didn't like the person. They talk to everyone and get a, a well-rounded story. So when you saw Hell Satan, I wasn't in it. Like, that's outrageous. That's outrageous how they tried desperately in their 1999, 2001 mind, because they didn't have a, a clue about the Internet. I set up the Twitter feed and begged them to use the Internet. OK, these these people had dug and them had no clue as to what, what was going on there. Anyway, it's just outrageous to me that these people try to write me out of their history when it's documented. Like these things are all documented online with emails, all that shit. It's like, how could you trust someone like that? What are they fucking hiding? Why? If I'm such a lunkhead, if I have no value, if I'm such an idiot, if I'm so crazy, I've been gaslit by these motherfuckers for fucking years now. It's like, well, then why don't you pull, call me out? Why doesn't Doug have a debate with me like I've asked him for years? Why doesn't he come out public? We can raise money for a charity, do it live on stage, and he can make a fool of me. But he can't. I'm the one person that can totally dominate him in this situation. And he knows that. What was. Can I call him out one time? Sure. Doug, Doogie, this is your another public invite to talk to me to my face. I won't be physical with you. Trust me, bud. I'm too old to snap you in half. I could probably do, but I, I'm just too old. But I think you, you can probably whoop me in an intellectual debate. Why don't you? You're such a smart guy, Doogie. How would okay. you categorize your role early on there when all of that was going on? Oh, well, I would I would categorize myself in many ways in the in the in the most extreme and how people pointed out I was Doug's muse. Uh, Doug had an attraction to me that was uh, beyond normal, you know, beyond uh, um, um you know, regular friendship. I'm forgetting the word there. It's a uh, monotonic, whatever. Sure. And, and so early on when, when me and Peter Gilmore went to war, <laughs> I'm constantly at war, young people. So it's the way it goes. I know the feeling. I love it. Um, what is life without it? Nothing. But anyway, I went to war with Peter and Doug was defending me in this realm. I wrote this big letter and it's on this. I did this podcast to document some of this called speak of the devil pod. Um, yeah, I definitely want to have you talk about that before we get out of here. But I talk about this letter from Peter and, and and Peter, I wrote this letter to Peter and then Doug got on there and he was all angry. We're going to get revenge. We're going to do this. And that's when we started talking about, you know, how can we topple the church of Satan? How can we fuck Peter Gilmore over? And so this is where, you know, our decades of relationships started to get take focus in on this idea of let's 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 take this from Peter. They're inactive. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's take this. Let's mock Peter. Let's make fun of him, you know. Um, and so that's where some of this started to grow. So my role in Bob has like, I don't know, 10 years of discussing this going back and forth. So it's, it's a thing that the idea went back and forth between me and Doug. Doug wanted to start a lobbyist group, which is basically what he's trying to do because there's money in it. And use Satan as, as a powerful lobbyist group because people would be afraid of, you know, we have 100,000 Satanists. If you don't do what we say, it was basically taken off of uh, Jesse Jackson and push. Uh, I don't know. Jesse Jackson is a, a, a activist, 
popular activist, ran for president. He started a group called Push. It was Rainbow Coalition. And what he did with Push was he would use it to go in and talk to politicians, say, hey, man, I got this Rainbow Coalition of 100,000 people that are going to turn up outside your house every fucking night. You're not going to be able to go grocery shopping, so we're going to have to haggle a deal. You're going to have to raise their pay by 50 cents. and We're not going to leave you alone. And, and so that's where this 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 conversation came in, like when I was talking, hey, we could do it like Jesse Jackson. So I present Jesse Jackson push Rainbow Coalition and this is how we could do this. But that's decades ago. You know, it's a long time ago. Yeah. So when when the when the Satanic Temple started to form, when Doug came to me and said, hey, I'm starting to, you know, he's having issues at Harvard. People there are laughing at him because he's a Satanist. And, you know, they, these people are upper crust. He's a kid from Detroit, m- up middle class. So he's like, I don't know what to do here. <laughs> you know, we're talking about how to make it work to his advantage and and maybe make a film out of it, use it for filmmaking, all this stuff. Well, he got involved with this Kevin guy and he started talking to me about, you know, they want to use him to go to documentaries and they're starting to pay him. And oh, this is great. I guess just so everybody knows, Kevin is Kevin Soling, who is known yeah. as Malcolm Jerry, the other co-founder of TST. Right, right. So, so this is going on. I don't know. I, I go out to Harvard a couple of times. We meet uh, twice out at Harvard and talk about this stuff and start to discuss how we could use my involvement in Satanism, how he could leverage my authority and my my ties to Anton LaVey to to do something i'm like okay and, and then he comes back to me with this idea of, of doing this mockumentary and i'm like okay and they pay me to consult them on some of this stuff they start to pay me money because i'm like i'm not giving up my no way for this rich kid you know i don't do that doug i talk to you but i'm not kevin's got to pay and so it started with me consulting on stuff like that like you know you <laughs> their original logo was a joke they were calling people minions i go there's no satanist that's going to join something that calls him a minion. You know, I have to tell him these really basic fucking things and, and just advise him on stuff like that. And I was involved from the beginning of that stuff. Uh, they, you know, I started with that kind of stuff. Doug went at something on his own. This, when I asked for money, they decided to do it on their own and failed miserably with their traffic. So I'm like, we're going to pick up trash for Satan on the side of the road. They're going to buy a sign. They did some GoFundMe, couldn't raise the money, failed at it. And that's when Doug came back to me and said, okay, we'll pay you the money. And so then I went at consulting them, telling them what, what to do and what not to do. And so the original like statue that was supposed to be in Florida, it was supposed to be something I sculpted. My buddy Edwin Kagan from the American Atheist called, you know, t- was talking to me about this and said, please don't do it. It'll compromise one of my cases down there. So we pulled off. We pulled that away and um, did the pink mass or whatever, did that and. You know, it was a train wreck working with Kevin's a train wreck. The guy's like, you know, fucking Satanism and stuff is underground shit. Like it's fringe culture. It's not for above ground academics to culture vulture like they do. And they turn graffiti into some shit that sells sneakers. And and it takes away from being dangerous art. Graffiti used to scare people away from neighborhoods. Now it's a gentrifier. You know, it's the same thing with Satanism. It's becoming something that's, you know, going to be acceptable and selling sneakers soon. And it, it whatever. That's that's gross. It's not, you know, it's just gross. Um, we want it to stay dangerous. During that time, when you mentioned like the the creation of the Baphomet statue and all these early things that were documented in that film, you were present during all of that stuff. You were still involved. Yeah, yeah. For for a good chunk of the beginning of that film, yes. Yeah. I mean, there was a there was a part during. I was yes, I was involved in the planning of that. But when the sculpt the sculpture started to get sculpted and created and all that stuff, 
I wasn't. That's when we started to pull away. What, you know what I'm saying? When, when, when it would start to become initial sketches and stuff like that, that's when we broke up. Because there, Doug looked like, this is a moneymaker. And I go, this is going away from the idea of the film project. And see, when he I was supposed to play Lucy and Greaves. Doug wanted me to be the Lucy and Greaves guy because of my history of being run out of towns. And, you know, I said I, need to edit, I needed control over editing. I needed to be able to approve the final editor, the edits of that they're going to any footage they'll use of me, I need to approve. Right. And Kevin wouldn't do that. So I wasn't going to risk being made a clown for a rich man. So in that film, we see, you know, they, they have an actor, I think it is a hired actor right. that they have right. as a sort of spokesperson at first. And then Kevin's that doesn't, idea. and then that doesn't oh. work out. And then, right. you know, Doug takes on the role of Lucian Greaves and sort of becomes that. You had just mentioned that was offered to you at one point. Yeah. And I don't even know. See, that's funny. Like Doug will say, no, it wasn't, but it was, I have evidence of that. Hmm. It's like, but I don't even know why I would lie about that. It's such a stupid lie. It's like, yeah, it was. And I didn't take it. And why would anyone want it? Like, I don't want followers. I want people, you know, I want, I want people that are into my artwork and, you know, I don't want followers. That's an exhausting goddamn thing to have a bunch of idiots asking what to do. Like I, I'm a boss plenty and it, it's exhausting. So don't need that. And so I don't know why, why that would be a big deal. Like, yeah, I was asked to be Lucy and Greaves. And at that point it was a joke and they were making fun of Satanism. So I was probably asked to be a clown. Okay. Just like the actor that was there. And there was no way I was going to be clowned yeah. when Doug did that. He did it reluctantly and understood it was risking his career. When it, when the Rick Scott stuff became viral, they started to see numbers as a Harvard person would. They started to analyze these things and, and come back to me and say, Hey, this could be very profitable. You know, this could be very profitable. I think we want to jump in and do this. And, and at that point, all of these, these fake things started to become like all these rules or any of these things they come up with are on the fly. Like the say, like I recently, I have a satanic name and it's a fake name. It's a pen name, but they call it a satanic. And that came up when <laughs> one of the first articles lays like, why do you have to have fake names? Why do you have that? You know, and, and Doug hustled up this idea out of nowhere. Like, Oh, it's a satanic name. It's because being public as a satanist is dangerous. It's like, Oh my God, that's embarrassing. Like that's, that's nuts. So to me, yeah. anyway, can you point to a certain incident or a, a moment in time where you feel like the relationship with the satanic temple ended? Oh, I wish I could. It was just, a. I understand what boundaries are now. I didn't at the time, but let's say it was a, a series of my boundaries being exploited or not respected. And it just built up to the point where that was it. I've, I've, I've had conversations with Doogie up until I think last year. Um, but they're not, they're not great. They're hostile. You know, I've sent the email, we've sent hostile emails back and forth. And the last one he sent back, I think it says something like, uh, you, you shit on everyone, anyone who tries to help you. And I laugh and I go, you mean I fight back to anyone who tries to fuck me, but because of whatever it is that, whether it's my size, my shape, my education, as a poor, I believe it's probably the class of person I am, but when poor people decide to fight back, it's called something else. Like I'm shitting on this person, but I wasn't. I was fighting back for my reputation, my credit, and my what I earned. And for some reason, that wasn't uh, that was uh, that was considered to be shitting on them. Which you know, you know, fuck them. They haven't. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. So you know, more uh, in recent times. I read your Satanic Almanac for 2021, 
And at the end of your interview, you have a lengthy conversation in there with Stanton LaVey, who is the grandson of Anton LaVey. Is that right? Yes. It's I'm good friends with the entire LaVey family. So I'm friends with everyone in the LaVey family. And it seemed like you two laid out the beginnings of what appears to be a new satanic philosophy or some guidelines. Can you elaborate a little bit on what that is and if it's something you both plan to pursue? Well, I don't know. It was, it was in conversation as we were talking about this stuff. It was almost like in jest. It was just a conversation. But those are ideas. Those are just us talking about it very much like I think Satanism is. It's a conversation. It's an ongoing conversation. So what I set forth to say, these are the things I, I've already done that in that book, but it's just a suggestion, the same as LeVay stuff. And so it's also for me, you know, like putting the empathy thing in there is also like that part of it was like to try to get credit for that. I know Doug took that idea and ran with it with the Satanic Temple. And there's an interview up on archive.org that Doug did with me to harvest information to build a Satanic Temple. And in that, I talk about might is right and how it has to have as part two where empathy is added. And so this was just me and Stanton talking about how we might see Satanism as today. And, and so it's basically that kind of conversation, like the Satanic Almanac for this year happened on April 30th. We've we've had I have a bunch of articles coming in, interview with uh, um, Carla LeVay a person who was an adult at the birthing of Satanism saw it birth and helped her father birth it. So, you know, I've got that and she's written some stuff and other, other formidable Satanists have, and, and people from the theosophy society have included some articles. And so that'll be out uh, this Halloween. We'll, we'll release the book. So every wall purges will talk about things. And then on the 30th, uh, you know, on, on Halloween, we'll release a copy of it and then put it up online for free. Right. But we'll also release like a limited edition. You know, I think printed matter is a cool thing. We should definitely try, we, sh- we should try to keep making printed things. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely I love some printed materials. I'm a printmaker myself. Nice. Um, so, where would you say your focus is at these days? I mean, I know you have the podcast, and you can feel free to talk about that. And you're doing the Satanic Almanac. What else are you up to, and what should people know about? Well, I'm trying to get into my second phase, my, 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 what am I, my fall, 50s, fall going into winter of my life. So I'm trying to clean up like a lot of the stuff, clean up a lot of my mistakes from that, my involvement with Doug. And so that's, I've, I think I've pretty much done that. The Witch's Sabbath I'm going to do every year on Walpurgis. It was a cool party and uh, we're going to do more of that every year. And so now I'm, I'm just trying to... Um, I just want to put out artwork that's genuine to myself. And I think the problem with being an artist, a lot of times artists run into a wall where they're afraid to talk about something. They're afraid. We tell truths that are painful to us. So we share of ourselves until there's nothing left to share. And then when someone meets me, they only see what they, they want to see. They don't see me. They see a Satanist or whatever else they see. And so for me, I want to be able to talk about things that are hard to talk about and Satanism in this kind of conversation has become rote or what people expect of me, or it's become a parody or my character. And it's not me. It's, it's just a part of me, if that makes sense. So a lot of this stuff is when I look at it as an older man, I've done it for 30 years. I'm like, yeah, I don't even relate to a lot of this shit anymore. And that's not to say I don't relate to Satanism. I just don't relate to you know, I just 
I'm just, I have a different mind. I want to go, I want to go somewhere I haven't seen before. I want to go to South America and see the dirt there and talk to people I've never seen. And just, you know, I want to see the poetry of life again versus make things that people expect of me. Here's another Baphomet item. Here's another devil item. Here's another goat item. It's, it's become like, and, and, and it's become too popular. It's become something that is, it's, it's not for me. <laughs> right. as much as i love that stuff it turns me on i love i love all that kind of satanic imagery but i'm just not for pop culture like you know i i think that stuff pop culture and popular stuff represents part of the plague of capitalism you know it it, it goes beyond a monkey see monkey do and and so yeah no thanks do you think that that stuff is effectively watering down or harming in some way what satanism is or can be or do you sort of separate that stuff and it's not even satanism like are you of the mind that satanism is essentially the teachings of levey or the church of satan and you know outside that it, it isn't really i know that's the way that the church of satan membership often sort of communicates well, that idea well i'm not but that's how it is you you're like it's it you don't it doesn't have it it has to do with like look at the newspaper articles about the satanic temple they go back to go yeah the foundation is this church of satan Lanton right. yeah. the hell satan movie oh yeah it's basically this is the foundation so yeah it's always going to go back there you know that's just the way it goes he started it he got it he got it right he did something magical people could go he plagiarized he he ripped up. He did, he did it right, and 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 you just can't beat it. Like he did it, and, and that's it's it's not about even being a fan of his or not. It's like just realizing the reality of it. But yeah, I think all underground culture, all counterculture, when the revolution, when 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 like the Arab Spring happened and revolution was in the air, ninety days later there was Coca Cola billboards everywhere saying "Drink up the revolution." Pepsi was selling soda pop cans based on revolution. So it's like all of this dangerous stuff eventually makes it into your hands. And I mean, your hands, meaning the fucking people that are part of a mainstream collective that are all looking to join some garbage. Like it makes it into your hands and you officially think you're fucking cool, but you're not. You're just a consumer as you've always been. You didn't seek anything out. It came to you. It came to you in a viral video and you're like, wow, that's something that's going to scare them or whatever you saw, whatever you identified with. It's like, that's exactly what happens. You have to you take, you, you take graffiti, take street art. It was dangerous. It was, it was, it was something that was, you know, like amazing and told history, told the history of a, a, a culture and that was co-opted. And now it's turned into something else. You've taken a language, you've a, what is it uh, appropriation you've appropriated a culture and made it vanilla you made it bland lame you made it so it could sell coca-cola i mean man that's that's fucking harsh and so do i see the evolution of satanism as as, as you know like what do i see what i see is unfortunate for for you clowns that join the satanic temple you people are the ones that are going to get brutally beaten and that's by Christians and other people. See, this is, you know, go look at the communist war and you know, any of these other revolutions. The one thing Doug and I, and we all had an idea of is how to leverage shit to create a revolution. And what, what they're doing now is pushing towards a bunch of idiots in satanic garb towards a bunch of idiots in Christian garb. And you're going to see that play out in a violent way. 
And it's, it's going to be unfortunate for a lot of the idiots that have doned their satanic garb uh, without understanding the danger of being a public Satanist or saying that I'm a Satanist. They, I don't think they really understand that stuff or they understand it really well and don't have much to live for anymore based on being a dishwasher or fry cook. And I've done all those jobs. I'm not above that. You know, I'm, I'm a working class person, a poor person. So I understand that. That's why I say it. It's not to put anyone down. It's to say I understand uh, brutal work where you don't have anything, any time left to think. You don't just sleep and get ready for work the next day. That's all I'm saying. You just don't have it in you to understand what's going on. And you join something really quick because you don't have the time to think. That's what that's what religion takes advantage of. It's powerful stuff, Shane. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk about all this with me. I appreciate you asking and not being afraid to ask. Is there anywhere anybody can find you, your website, anything like that? Well, as you found out, you just say, hey, Shane, on Twitter. I'm like, yeah, what's <laughs> going on? Where's the barbecue? What's the address? Right on. You know, if you got a barbecue to invite me to, well, I'll come to the barbecue. I probably won't eat anything because I'll be worried you might dose me. But but you never know. If you're ever in Chicago, uh, look me up. We'll have coffee. I'm, I'm pretty good like that. Certainly will. Yeah. I love Anyone a lot of what you've there. had to say, and, and I really appreciate your spirit about all this stuff. Um, our Satanism has been through different places like every individual's probably does. But I really, uh, I find a lot of what you have to say inspiring and interesting. And uh, I hope to chat with you some more in the future. Yeah. And I think you like, you know, like LeVay said, the first hundred years are the bumpiest for a new religion or a new idea. And that's what's going on with Satanism today. That's surely true. I think so. It's it's great that we keep talking about it. Yeah. I appreciate your hard work and I hope to talk to you again. Right on. Thank you very much, Shane. Take it easy. All right, guys, I guess that's about everything for today. I hope you enjoyed this chat with Shane Bugby. He is no doubt a wild motherfucker. If you've got a moment, please visit the website at HailSatanPodcast.com. Stay safe out there and hail Satan. Ich bin der Nette. Die Wolf, wie ist er? Was 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 ist er